Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Content warning. In this episode, characters have frank discussions about death and grief. More information in the episode description. the other side of Alice. As in, the side opposite to all of our familiar landmarks, like Lyoth Hall, the Marketing District, and the Temple of the Priestess's Presence. These houses are shorter and more circular-looking. Here live the same kind of folks, just a bit plainer of dress and a bit gruffer of hands. The main elementary school is over here, personified by two brick floors stacked on top of one another. Inside mills a moderate student body, ages ranging from 4 to 12. In one classroom in the bottom floor specifically, we find the cultivated artistic space, lovingly referred to as Kiddos Do Art too. Mikhail Lyoth, clad in an apron and paint-splattered clothes, grabs a stack of notebooks and starts handing them out to his students, who rage about the workshop tables fiercely coloring and painting with anything but a paintbrush. Benton, notebook. Benton, our loud little character with curly hair and two missing front teeth, glides over to Mikhail and yanks back his crinkled paperback art pad. What did you think? Did you like it? Oh, totally. You're so creative. And slightly concerning, but kids, you know? Mikhail looks to the next notebook, and he pauses. Huh. Who's this this again? It's unfamiliar. Puzzled, Mikhail flips through the pages and sees none of his notes. Just drawing after drawing of... Looks like, uh... A what? What looks like? Uh... Uh... A stick figure? No, a happy slime. You know whose this is, Ben? No. 
Do you still need me here? Nah. Okay. Bye. Hey, Naya. This small girl, Naya. Four years old, but oddly sentient. Wobbles over from her miniature table, dodging Benton's chaotic swinging of colored crayons. The tip of her cropped head of hair reaches Mikhail's kneecap. He kneels. What, Teacher Mike? Do you know what this is? Naya rips it from Teacher Mike's hands and holds it upside down. Oh, it's a, it's a scowy monster. Wow, a monster, huh? What kind? I don't know what kind of monster. Sure you do. He looks at it with her. He points at one of the noodleish shapes seeping off the side of the page. What are those? Yeah, these are arms and uh, glowing eyes, and it sits goopy. I I think it is orange, but they didn't have a color pencil. It's a shadow monster. A colorful shadow monster? Exactly. Huh. That's very interesting. Is it yours? No. You sure? Yeah. Gamma wouldn't like me drawing dolls. Hmm. How is Gamma? She sleeps a lot. Sister makes dinner now. That's very kind of her. Yeah. Hey, whose drawing is this? Mikhail's knees crack as he stands. He holds the notebook right side up. Then upside down. Or was that right side up? He flips through the pages and sees some handwriting that's way too legible to be a child's. Oh, this is Tara's. Who's Tara? She's our new prophetess. Ah, with the tree. The prophetic staff, yeah. My mama saw her last week. She said, she, she said Tara was Bridget. <laughs> Legit? That's very nice. Yeah, I think so too. Why is she drawing monsters? Well, I don't know. But, great they, Tara. Prophets really are bad artists across the board, aren't they? Mikhail looks to the notes scrawled along the edges of the drawings. What's that? Dylan did not see or hear it. Which was good. Keep going. But he saw what it did to the car and the... Huh. Huh. He's not about to read the word blood. He draws some similarities between this drawing and the painting in the chapel. He is about to find it odd, a striking resemblance. He is about to call into question that Tara seemed deeply unsettled by the Marouflage. Teacher Mike! Oh, Benton! W what? Oh, Benton! Pants! <laughs> Alas, we aren't quite there yet, are we? As class winds down, let's go outside and wait for Naya at pickup. Not alone, of course. Nalani McElbury waits for her little sister outside the main doors, Naya spots her and approaches. Where is mom? Working. She never picks you up. It's always me. You're early, though. I'm, I'm on time because we gotta get moving. We've got a visitor coming for Gamma. 
Okay. Naya does not press on the nature of this visitor, mainly because she is four and truly does not care. Mikhail skirts the corner, waving a pale blue cloak and hood. Cloak, Naya. Oh, thank you, Teacher Mike. I'll take that. Hey, Nala. Everything okay? Um, ah, the sadness in her eyes here. Stay safe. Holding your family in greatness. Thanks. Can you say bye-bye, Nye? Bye! It is a long walk from the elementary. They pass the red grass lawns and redwood trees of Bellis's low town. They pass the houses of strangers, then acquaintances, then near neighbors, then they come to theirs. A circular one-story, blue paint peeling. Delani thrusts open the door and immediately sets to work, picking up things from the floor, taking the odd plate to the sink. Pick that up, please. Look, that, no, not, well, yes, that, but that other, uh, yeah, that too. Why? And be a little normal, please. No, Mama says normal is boring. Well, Mom works in accounting, so maybe she should put her money where her mouth is. <gasps> She's here. She opens the door for the prophetess of Alice. Nala looks at her agape, then shuts her mouth, only to realize she's got to open it again to say words. Wise woman. Prophetess. Uh, um, I'm sorry. It's all right. Just Tara's fine. What's your name? Nalani McElbury. Well, Nala is what I prefer to be called. Nala. You wrote the inquiry on behalf of your grandmother, right? Yes. Great. I apologize for giving you such short notice. The day opened up pretty fast. No, it's okay. I was afraid I hadn't submitted it in time. She's been a lot worse these past couple of days. She... She wanted to meet you. Well, that's very thoughtful of you, Nala. How old are you? Thirteen. Tara nods, a bit troubled. She peers into the bungalow. Oh, please, come in. This is, um... This is my little sister, Naya. Hello, Tawa. Uh, I'm going to check on Gamma before you... I'll be back in a sec. So sorry. That's totally fine. Okay. Now it is just Tara sitting cross-legged on the couch in this small baby. Tara thinks, anyways. How old? How old are you, Naya? I'm four. Wow. And you live with your sister and grandma? No, mama is at work. Oh, that's great. Where does she work? The chocolate factory. Ah, the circle factory. Okay. Yeah. Tara nods in tandem with Naya. Children scare her so much. She's vastly uncomfortable as Naya looks lifelessly into Tara's eyes, thinking, what? How does one have a conversation with a baby? Is a four-year-old a baby? What capacities does one normally hold? You are a prophetess? Yep. Have you heard about me? I know you. I know everything about you. Oh? Um, one of the Lyaths is her art teacher, 
she's not a prophet. Oh, Mikhail? Mm, Teacher Mike. What is Teacher Mike teaching you? Art, I saw your monster drawings. So did Teacher Mike. What? How? Tara has a faint memory of setting her notebook on top of a stack of notebooks in the kitchen that morning uh, to use both hands to dig through the icebox. She also recalls not recalling to pick it back up. Tara experiences a brief moment where she is tempted to be upset that Mikhail showed her drawings to children, but she knows herself well enough to admit that they did in fact represent children's drawings. So she cannot truly blame the boy for handing back homework, could she? Ah, what did you two think? They were... Are you okay? Okay. How's Grandma doing, Nala? She's ready for you, wise prophetess. Nalani leads Tara down a short hallway hidden behind the kitchen, through an already open door. An older woman lies in bed here, propped up, contently looking out a cubed window to their left. She reads as old, but vibes just a hair younger than that, which Tara just finds lovely. She's here, Grandma. Hello. Prophetess. Tara. Yes. What's your name? The woman smiles. It looks like it hurts. Queenie. Quince, but just go with it. Ah. Hello? Uh, Nala, may we... Yes, yeah. Um, I'll be right outside. Tara sits by the bedside. Queenie stares into the ceiling, smiling just a little. Queenie, how are you feeling? Close. I'm glad you came today. Jeez, she really set that mood, huh? I am too. How is your soul? I've been sick for a long time, prophetess, just waiting for something new. This is not why I wanted to meet with you. Oh? And why did you? I need you to find something for me. Have you lost something? Yes. A long time ago. I have this, this, um, container of things for my family. What's inside? Um, it, it's important. I know it is. I can't, I can't let those precious things die with me. Is it here? Um. It occurs to both of them in this moment that Queenie does not remember. Queenie does not have a single clue. Queenie had not thought this far, and here she was, and here is Tara. Ah. Here's something. She gestures to the bedside table. Tara sees a granular picture on top of some books and things, and figures she ought to take the hint and investigate. In it, we see a younger Queenie, with longer black hair and upright in stature, holding a shovel with pride, standing next to an overtly average young man in a sun hat. They are surrounded by wildflowers and stand side by side with a large hole between them, freshly dug. My daughter found this the other day. My intertwined and I, she says. She surveys it with the same glassy disconnect as Tara. Tara would like to ask a question along the lines of, 
You remember a box you buried 60 years ago, but you don't remember the folk you loved for 60 years? But hey, that's insensitive to the situation. So instead, she muses. Intertwined? That's a mare term. I grew up along mare... Hmm. Verity? That's adjacent to my territory. I suppose that must have been it. Your territory. Yes. I'm from Opame. Could you have buried it near there? No. No, it was here. Here as in... Valis. Tara has to really use her discernment here if this is viable information. I say there's an 80% chance, yes. And a 100% chance that this is your only appointment today, so you really don't have a choice. I'll... I'll ask around. Why ask me to do this? You're a prophet. I know my memory's gone, but the Great Bay reminded me about the chest. I can only trust that you are the folk to find it. If anything, I'll be back tonight to check in. Okay? Okay, little girl. <coughs> Gamma, are you? I'm fine, Naya. All right. I'll get you some of that tea that you like. Yes. Thank you. I'd like a nap, I think. Nala exits a bit quickly. I stung with a bit of something as she gestures for Tara to follow her. In the main room, Naya has unpacked all of her picked up toys and appears to be doing a regularly scheduled maintenance check on one of her more beloved stuffies. All right, I'll try to be back by nightfall if anything. Do you have a number I can reach? Do you think it's real? The treasure? Should I not? She doesn't make sense most of the time, but sometimes she does. She's really adamant about this one, even though she forgets most things. Is there anyone in town I might be able to ask about your grandma? Maybe get some clues. She was, I mean is, super spirity. Her favorite chapel was priestess presence for sure. She volunteered there a lot, even had a personalized mask. Her and priestess were close. That's a good place to start. I can come. When does your mom get home? A few hours. You really ought to stay and watch little Naya. Sure, Naya. My tree? I think she means your staff. Ah, it's broken. That is bad, yeah. I'm going now. If anything, I'll be back to check up on her tonight. Wait, here's our house number. If you need anything else, please just... I'll be here. Thank you. Halfway back to Lyoth Hall, we come across Agnes and her partner, Rourke. They are in an empty, newly purchased apartment placed on the second floor of a rather cute cottagecore complex. Rourke is kinetically charged in this space, zigzagging from one room to another, envisioning, planning, thinking, hoping, dreaming! Two bedrooms, one big, one a bit smaller. I'm thinking office space. What do you think? Drafting table, there for me. Antiquified desk, there for you. Yeah! Agnes remains fairly stationary, propped up against the hallway wall, watching her partner zoom with some detachment, hinted with bits of amusement. 
And the bathroom's got eight drawers, all different sizes, and none of them particularly a useful size, but- What are you talking about? This drawer is just the perfect size to fit my hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> yeah, maybe even a value size. Well, let's not be unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, just as a reminder, my quest for you is to procure a couch this evening. Here's the coupon book. Includes most of the furniture stores we've got in Vallis. One in Silvis, if you can get there. But if not, no worries, Bean. Remember, I'm not too picky, but... Nothing I... green, no sectionals, just a good old mundane rectangle. You know me so well. Again, I'm sorry I can't go with you, but I trust your beautiful eye for beauty. This is super helpful. Totally. I love being super helpful. Wow, our first couch. For our apartment. Yep, our apartment. You should see if any of the fam bam is free to help out. Oh, Ellie would be great. Ellie's prepping for finals. I don't dare interrupt the academic flow. Aw, good luck, Ellie. What about Doom? That's a fun guy. Even the Lyots don't trust him with shopping. Why should I? Aw, I'm sure he'd surprise you. Oh, he sure does. Never in a great way, though. What about Mikhail? No, his entitlement may rub off on me, and I don't want to take that chance. I've heard he's a pretty nice folk. Yeah, and he annoys me on a molecular level, that's all. Eller! Agnes looks at Rourke, rewiring for a bit too long. What? Why? What is this? Why are you... I just don't want you to feel lonely. <laughs> Sweet boy. Oh, Rourke. And... Eller isn't scheduled, so he'd be free. Actually, he is working. He got a call in last afternoon. Oh. Yeah? Yeah, he mentioned it this morning to Luciana. Well, to be fair, he had mentioned it that morning. That's great! I've been trying to get to spend more time with him. He's a young and angsty little genius. I want to cultivate that growing little heart. Not that young. All right, but definitely that angsty. That's... that fair enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rourke checks his watch, then checks the clock on his phone for insurance. I've got to head to work. Want me to drop you off at the hall, Bean? No! I'm good. That furniture store is like a five-minute walk, so just I'll walk. just walk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rourke stoops a bit. Agnes takes the moment to register this as a smooch beckoning. She offers him one. Okay. Bye. I love you. Oh, bye. Bye-bye. Agnes is alone in a new place. We all know this sensation. Those first few moments in a new space that is ours, but it doesn't feel like it. Not yet. And for Agnes... Great day, not ever, right? She begins to move and pace the space, and oh no. Oh no, no, no. What is she feeling? Agnes? The stale nothingness in the air makes her queasy. Yes, that's it. That's the stressor. And if she leaves, it will go away. Couch time! She says this to no one. Some dust in the air is disturbed and floats about, 
miffed at the disturbance. Couch time! Let's leave her to it. Hey, Terrabon! I know your technology's all wonky there with the solar panels and such, but I just wanted to remind you that we're not going anywhere. We love you and want to hear how it's going. I thank Great They every time I think of you. I know you are serving them well. How's Valis? Is the red grass all itchy like Mallory said, or is it soft? No, oh, and kind of sad news. Mallory is no longer with us. Tara has listened to this three times before now, this being the fourth time. She's only really gotten to the whole message once upon waking up to it. She can't deal with it right now, so later. Yes, later. But you will deal with it, right? Yep. Hmm. Tara's hands don't really know what to do without the staff. The fingers of her left hand worry away at hangnails in a rather twitchy way. The broken staff in question currently sits carefully laid on the coffee table, ends wrapped back together with moistened rags. Not a fix, but hopefully some time. We are in the middle town, blocks away from Vork and Agnes's apartment, back at the Temple of the Priestess. Inside, we find our priestess again, still ornamented in that stunningly obscuring deer's mask. She wears a mellow yellow flowing number today. Tara's rather zealous for it in the best and most surprising of ways. Currently, the priestess holds in both hands small sticks, burning at the tips, with the slow smoke coming off of them, coiling upwards. Hey. Tara. Hello. A waft of the scent reaches Tara's nose, and it just doesn't stop. Whoa. <coughs> what is that? Clearing. Ah, clearing. Like, clearing the link to the spiritual plane, right? You've done this too? Our prophetic training had us learn how to mix it up. I forgot how powerful it smells. Really? I'd use the term awful. I suppose that's where the power lies. A surprise. Tara laughs, thus surprised. Where is your staff? Uh, my staff broke. That is a problem. Do you have access to another? Not readily. Unfortunate. There must be a way to fix it. Fingers crossed. Are you here for confidence day? We don't typically confide with our prophetess. Oh, yet. no. I don't know what that is, but no. I actually wanted to ask you something about one of your members. Oh? It's Quinn. Uh, Queenie. Mackelbury? Ah. Walk with me. Tara falls next to the priestess's stride, opposite from the swirling pungent smoke. She fills her in on the situation at hand. They exchange the picture back and forth. You know her pretty well, right? Yes. Do you think it's actually something important? She said it was. So until proven completely wrong, I think we ought to treat it as such. The corridor they turn down is long, vibrant, and decorated with mask after mask after mask. Some are apparent repeats of a symbol, but vary in craftsmanship. 
terrace stops in front of one in particular. In Onyx, it seems. It's simpler. Not a perfectly realistic depiction, but thus somehow more precise. Stylizations trickle along the face and sides of it. Wow. Who makes all of these? We rotate. We have a common masker whose specific style can be seen throughout once you really look. Some are out-of-territory commissions, and some are by celebrated artists in Vallis. Like that one. It's your housemate Mikhail's work. Damn, Mike. The priestess has moved on. Tara peels her eyes away and scurries to catch up. At the end of the corridor, she drops the now-decayed sticks into a large basin with like materials in it. At the end, they face a door in front of them. I don't know what it is you need to do, but they do. I've tried talking to them. Have you tried listening? You have one of those? The priestess gestures to the simple door ahead. Ah, a cultural difference. We'll have those occasionally. Don't fret. Tara will show us what this means. She steps inside this small room. It is a closed-off space, triangular all around, with two chairs, one in the center and one imperfectly in a cramped corner. Wow. Do you want company or solitude? Tara thinks about the darkness that would encompass her the moment that door closes. A part of her doesn't want to say, I'd like to be alone. Evidently, not an outwardly vocal part. The priestess bows respectfully and sits on a bench further down the path they had come. Tara shuts the door and sits in the seat. Okay. What now? She settles into her best impression of stillness. Listening. 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 Impatiently. For direction. She shuts her eyes. She shuts her thoughts. Well, she tries to do that. Tara feels not in her stomach. This is about the Macklebury family's loss. I need to help them. Please, no. Tara breathes deeply. And in this darkness... She can clearly picture her and her parents' little cabin near the shore. It is pale pink, rectangular, with windows and windows and windows. A few houses down, Mallory's family lived. Some days the families would meet, and while the parents talked about parent things, Tara and Mallory would do child things and run on the beach together, sit Stare at the waves. And laugh. Mallory. Mallory. Yes, she is... was... just so good. Always a bit sickly. In and out of medics and such. But that never stopped her from joining you on the beach. She really loved finding cool rocks. Not even shells. Rocks. You'd help her look for them for years. And sometimes, if it was a really cool one, she'd give it to you. 
It's still in your back now, huh? You can feel the weight of it. It's just a little thing, but it's so, so heavy now. It's threatening to stretch your shoulder to the ground as you sit. It was the last one Mallory gave you before you left for prophetic training. Uh, no. This shouldn't be surprising. Okay! Tara? Are you alright? Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Tara sits next to her and places her head in her hands. Ever familiar with this, the priestess waits patiently for Tara to choose to speak. Queenie was from Amer territory too, right? Too? Yes. Okay. Maybe, she thinks, she read into things. That must have totally been it. Queenie must love waves too. Are there any, like, bodies of water anywhere? Hmm. The Wise Woman's Reservoir is our largest water source. It lies behind the Chapel of Living Things. Are there wildflowers there? I don't know. I haven't been there. But haven't you lived here for, like... Doesn't mean I must act like a tourist. I'd take a taxi there if you can. It'd be a long walk. Right. Thank you for your help. Tara? If I were going to drop by to say goodbye, should I do it today? Yes. A trade of favors, not quite understood on this plane. The two women watch each other with bogglement. Greatness upon the family of Queenie McElbury. And you too. Thanks. Tara parts with the temple of the priestess's presence. She walks fast down the streets of Middletown towards the far south. Once she reaches the street side, Tara watches the odd car or two drive past until she spots the blue striped taxi. She raises her hand high, stepping towards the road. A cheerily middle-aged folk appraises Tara before deciding to roll down the window. Well, hello, Prophet. Where do you need to go? Uh, I need to get to the wait, wise- Wait, Tara, wait. Tara turns sharply to watch Nalani scramble to catch up to her prophetess. Did you follow me? What did you... Where's Naya? Mom's on her way home. It's fine. Naya's coloring. It's all okay. It's just a lot over there right now. And... Even if it's for a second, you don't leave a sick folk because when sorry. you... Sorry. I'm sorry. I... I just wanted to get out. Well, we go in or what? Tara looks back at Nala. Her furrow disintegrates as she sees something familiar in this young girl's eyes. No, it's... It's all right. You're okay. Where are we going? Do you know where the Wise Woman's Reservoir is? It's a small territory, so yeah. All right. Thank you. Let's go, Nala. The girl perks up as Tara steps aside to let her climb in first. Well, Nala isn't about to argue with her. They slump into this taxi together and get on their way. Intermission. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's get back to it. Agnes stares through the row of couches in front of her, glazed and dazed. Excuse me, do you know if you have this in mauve? Nope. Nope? As in, like, you don't know or, like, you don't have it? Yeah. Well, I tried. Not very hard. What can you do? A little better than that. We have several stylings like this couch. I'm sure we'll still find one that suits you just fine. The thing is, I don't even love this couch. I think this couch is just eh, and I don't really need it in my life, and could do without it, honestly. I don't want a couch, but I have to have one. Uh, why? Because that's what you just do! Everyone has a couch! Well, not everyone. You don't have to get a couch just because you think you need one. What an interesting thought. Really? We also have a fine selection of futons, love seats. In smaller spaces, you can even use a cozy pair of dining room chairs from the kitchen and just swing them around to watch TV. Agnes and I both truly thought you were in on it. Our apologies. Please leave me alone now. Oh, All right. Well, I'll be just down the aisle if you have any more questions. Okay, thank you. Hey, you busy? Hey, Lucy, what's up? I forgot the bonus question list on Logan's desk. Are you close to the hall by chance? You can just send me a picture of the figures on the top right. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm not too far. I can get them to you in like half an hour. Perfect. Your lifesaver, Agnes. You can clock in. No, it's fine. I can see when you clock in. I know you will. Very true. Brilliant. See you tonight. Oh, wait. You're staying at the apartment tonight, right? Oh, right. Yes. You had forgotten about that. Testing out the vibes. I'll be back tomorrow. Great. Good luck. Send Rourke our love. Gladly. Agnes walks and walks to Lyoth Hall. She walks into Logan's office and finds the papers in question. She faxes them. As she does that, a figure passes the open door. I'll be out in a sec, Logan. It passes again, staying in the doorway. It is not Logan, but rather Mikhail. Oh. Hey, is Tara around? No, I think she's on a field day. Why? Ah. Her notebook just got mixed in with crafts. I took it. Accidentally. Whoa, did you look in it? Whatever's in here isn't our business, really. I don't think. Oh, come on. She carries it everywhere, and you're not curious? Nah. How interesting. Mikhail's a little liar today. Not really. I mean, what's her business is her business. A wooka wooka. Yeah, okay. What are you doing? Vibin'. Is Ellie home? Yeah, I think. Mikhail turns right at the end of the hall. Agnes watches after him. He thinks. Now that's interesting. Agnes feels the draw to investigate. 
She finds Ellie where one normally finds Ellie these days. In her room, door unlocked and propped open, sprawled across the floor, feverishly writing. Hey, Ellie, what you doing? Oh, I'm working on my Valctorian speech. Oh, congrats! Thank you. Ellie's smile grows into a yawn. How do you feel about graduating? It's the next step. Then I gotta prep for my first year at UV if I want to follow the track right. Ah, yes, the chieftain track. Yeah. Are you doing anything fun, though? Grad party with your friends? Why would I do that? All my friends are either graduating with me or no, I'm graduating. That's a waste of valuable time and resources. Right. What about a nice grad gift? I know, I got a new laptop and that was so fun. My laptop is working fine right now. And the next gen that comes out next season of Solace will be a lot better for what I need. So I'll save up for then. How long have you been working? I woke up at nine. Have you had lunch? Not yet. It's the middle of the afternoon! Is it? Hey, wanna go look at couches? Um, couches? For what? For my new apartment. Oh, right! With Rourke! Uh, yeah. Why do you want me to come with you? I think you've got a good eye! And honestly, I think you could use a break. And I'm really fun at warehouse furniture stores. You should find something fun and cute for yourself. But I don't need anything. That's the whole thing, Ellie. Shopping for useless shit. You're young. Live a little. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah! Yeah! Couches! So, so fun, I guess. Tara and Nala have made it to the Wise Woman's Reservoir. A long name for a smallish place. A basin of water, protected by red grass hills. It's rocky towards the bottom, and you can see the clear waterline that places this current as low. Tara and Nala stand at the top of the winding stairwell at the cliffside, which leads to a flat plateau until they reach the lake's declined edge. It's just enough to remind Tara of home. In a better, less forceful way than the temple had, but still not rather peaceful. She forcibly begins trekking the beach, unfurling Queenie's treasure clue from her pocket. There are any wildflowers here? I don't know. It was also taken a long time ago, so who's to say? Tara holds it up to various sceneries as they walk, Nala trailing pondering behind. Is this what the ocean is like? Kind of. Wow. Grandma never told us about it. Of course, now she really can't. Tara half trips over a can of lager. Probably less garbage, huh? Uh, you'd be surprised. But imagine that the water smells a little salty. And there's waves and foam. And that the other side isn't there. And the water stretches on forever. Forever. Does that scare you? The ocean? Or the generalized concept of forever? Yeah. Tara stops, drops the hand holding the picture back to her side, and thinks about this. Uh, well... 
a little down the stretch of sand. This floor looks at Terra. And Nala, it seems. This one is pink and dazzling in that ooky sort of way. It takes a draw from the lake, and with a large wave of its head, it goes the other way. Beautiful. What? The bird! Upon closer inspection, it is, in fact, a bird. Sometimes one can get so caught up in the spooky unseen that we forget things that truly, commonly, physically exist alongside us. Like birds. Like this tall one with two large feet, warm pink feathers, and a wingspan as long as Tara is tall. I don't think I've ever seen that before. We call them sprocks because they... What an ugly sound. (laughs) I really don't think whatever your grandma buried is here. Look, there's a hillside in Nivalis in the background. This was a waste of time. It is looking at them quite beadily, quite more intensely. Oh, prophetess? What? Nala gestures blandly to Tara's feet, where one shoe is resting in this bird's nest. Tara bashfully yoinks her foot away, quite relieved to find that she hadn't squashed any of the precious eggs inside. Oh, sorry. Well, (laughs) I mean, you're the one who built the nest on an open beach. Ever heard of a tree? They're landbound, and they respond very well to vocal tone. I don't know if this is. I didn't step on any of your little ugly ass eggs. You think you've had a bad day? Try me. Prophetess, they're really territorial. Really? So am I. (laughs) You're a lot grumpier than I thought you were going to (laughs) be. Thank you, Nala. I will cherish that for some time. Shut up! Just shut up! Nala finds this absurdly funny, (laughs) coming from the prophetess. Tara finds Nala's amusement amusing, and aw, this is almost a moment between the two. Yet... This Brock doesn't quite like that display of hubris, and frankly, I don't either, Tara. You're dangerously close to acting out. It waddles its way towards Tara and Nala. This is where Tara would raise her staff, if she had it. Ah, do something! Like what? Ah, profit thing! I don't know! Talk to it! Talk to it! I don't know! What do you even normally do? Tara makes a mental note that, if she does in fact make it out of this alive... She will promptly create a stunning visual presentation that illustrates in common terms exactly the type of things that qualify as profit things. And additionally, include an articulate and needfully extensive bullet point list of things that are not. Category A bird brawling will be on this list, she anticipates. Okay. Steady, you. Sprock! Sure wish you had that stuff now, huh? Run. Let's... Ah! Dune and Dylan are in the kitchen at Lyoth Hall. Dune has a lot of sandwich things before him, and very little concept of what to create for himself, much less his preoccupied friend. Dylan paces at the other end of the corner, phone to ear, hand to hip. Yeah, yeah. I love you too, Mommy. Okay, okay. <laughs> right? Dune's been waiting and waiting and waiting, but wow, Gwenda's a talker. Dill, 
You want like veggies or like mayo or something? Oh, some tomatoes, please. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not. Well, I'm just hanging out at the house right now on lunch break. Yeah. Uh-huh. Salad. Lies. And just some like some potatoes with cheese. Attached to a hoagie. I'm with Dune right now, so could we? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Dune, she wants to say hi. Oh. Hey. Okay, okay. You're on speakerphone. Hey there, sweetie. Hey, GT, Gwenda. Hey. You treating Dylan okay? <laughs> I try. At least one of you does. Uh, is your cat still alive? Oh, yes. She's going to live forever, I promise. <gasps> oh, Dilly Pop. I forgot. I want to send you a little goodie package. Oh, uh-huh. What kind of Causeway treats do you want? Oh, Dill, those like chocolate beans. Oh, yes. Mm. What about? Tara and Nala rush in. She sits Nala on the counter and turns her wrist gingerly in her hand, dabbing at the scratches with a cloth. Ow, 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 it's ow, okay. ow, ow, You're going to be okay. What, Tara? Are you okay? What's going on? Oh, hey, uh, there was a bird. Was it really? Tara looks at Dylan, incredulous. Surprised. A bit put off. Yes. It was a sprock. Fuck sprocks. <clears throat> oh, is it a sprain or a fracture? Dilly, do you know where your med kit is? Tara can handle it. Bye, Mom. Who's Tara? Actually, a med kit would be great. I'll grab it. She's our new prophetess. Hi. Hey. Prophetess. Oh. Okay, bye. Well, I feel like Logan should have told us about that. Bye, I love you. Good to meet you, Tara. Dune rushes back in with a little green box and sets it next to Tara. She fishes around inside for some bandages. Perfect. Dylan, can you hold her arm here so that I can wrap the oh. bandage around it? Oh, medicinal stuff gives me the ultimate ick, which is always funny because my mom's a medical botanist. Great. Uh, Dune then? Uh, yeah. Tara wraps up Nala's arm, who sits silently bummed on the counter, tears having dried at the commotion of the boys. Dylan watches from a fair distance, only a bit green in the face. Was that your mom on the phone? Yeah, Gwenda. She's my gal pal. Is she around here? Kinda. She's been living in the causeway most of my life. That little settlement outside of the valley on the salt flats. But within the territory of Alice. More on that soon. Tara empties her pocket, searching for a safety pin or something. In this shuffle, she ends up setting Queenie's photo on the counter next to Dune. Are you okay? Me? I'm fine. Well, you just kind of picked a fight with an endangered native species, so... Just a sprain, Nala. But you should keep it wrapped a couple of days for inflammation. Wow. First the staff is broken, and now my arm... It's not broken. What are they doing digging stuff up at Disburden? What? Dune plainly gestures to the photo. I think that's, like, illegal. You're really not supposed to dig in Disburden. This is Disburden? Oh! I don't know what that means. Sorry, yeah, the... Sanctuary of Disburden is where we bury folks uh, who died. It's the graveyard, but we do it a little differently here. Each family has a mark, which is like a plant that represents the life that was lived. Do you know what yours is, Nala? No. I'm 13. Mom doesn't talk to me about grave sites. Wanna bet it's flowers? What's your last name? I'll look it up in the Disburden Mark directory. Uh, Malcolbury. Suddenly helpful. Dylan dutifully scrolls through his phone. Nala fixates on Dune, that way that preteens do, with specifically silly boys. What's the lieth mark? Oh, we're just like a tree grove. 
What kind of tree? Uh, redwood, I think. Does it weird you out that that will be you someday? A tree forever? <laughs> I, oh, I love kids. <laughs> yep, Macklebury family, wildflowers. Nala hops down from the counter and looks up at Tara, suddenly sparkling with the joy of adventure. What were Grandma and Grandpa doing digging up graves? Let's go find out. It is later, the same day, and Agnes is still staring at couches, only this time with Ellie. Now they dryly muse a neat-looking maroon sectional. It's pretty nice. Then get it. Eh. But it isn't a rectangle. Rourke wants a rectangle. But if you really like it, then he will. And that's the thing, I just really don't care. Oh, sorry. <sighs> what? Hey, where are you? I'm just out. Out? With who? Jeez, I'm just with Agnes looking at couches. What do you want? Nothing, just making sure you're okay. I didn't see you in your room. I do other stuff too. We're just vibing. Bye. Everything okay? Yeah. You sure? <sighs> he's, he's just so... Mm, so... Obnoxious? Privileged? I was gonna say helpful. Ah, the nerve! I just... I just want him to do what he wants, which isn't what he's doing, and it's not letting me do what I want, because then I feel like I'm a burden. If we want folks to make changes, we... We, we what, Agnes? Have to communicate. Otherwise... Otherwise what, Agnes? You fall down a deep rabbit hole of not communicating, but hey... Poe buddy's nerfed. <laughs> yeah. It's not just... Do you... Never mind. What's up? What do you do if they aren't communicating with you? How do you know if they're telling the truth? Holy shit. Is she on to you? Agnes. You trust him. You just... Uh... He could just take it. I can get so close and he could still just... You really do want to be chief, huh? Yeah, and I think he, I think he does. Ellie's about to cry in the couch aisle. Agnes can sense this. That's not a right now thing. Right now you've got me and I'm going to make sure you leave here happy. <laughs> what about your couch? I kind of just want to use kitchen chairs and swing them around to watch TV, you know? Ellie does not. Yet she nods. Anything to stop looking at couches. If you could have one thing right now that would make you instantly happy, what would it be? Hmm. There's like these really round and squishy stuffies that like, I know they're for like little kids, but. Um, I know exactly what those are. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah? Yeah, let's go check them out. Tara and Nala have been climbing stairs for a while and have just reached the hill on which Disburden lies. We close? Yeah, that's the sanctuary over there. She gestures to a large, inconspicuous concrete block. And this is the field. They breach the top of the hill and... Wow. Even I wish you could see this one. The red valley of Vallis churns circularly with the wind. In the distance, Tara can spot Lyoth Hall, the reservoir. 
the priestess's presence. It does read as smaller than it does on ground level, more unified when the barriers are taken away. Right in front of them, barreling down the hill, is a vast conglomerate of different, vibrant displays of nature. These are the familial marks. Goliath's tall redwoods, some overbearingly large and some no taller than Terra, are bordering a grandiose field of ancestry. Rows of orchids, rows of apple trees in bloom, rows of corn, and bushels of other things still. It's beautiful until you remember each one is a folk. Do you see yours? Nala points ahead to the left, an array of overflowing bushes of flowers. Wildflowers. That's us. Come on. Tara holds the picture up, directing Nala to stand in different positions and places until... Stop. There. Right here. Yeah. They dig. Not for too long before they hit something. Tara hoists it from the earth. A large ovular vase. Nala clings to her prophetess's side, silent with anticipation. It's kind of small for a treasure chest. Not really chest-like for a treasure chest. It has to be it. Uh, hold on. Tara unscrews the lid and peers inside. I don't know what I expected. Nala snatches the jar, or shall I more specifically say, urn. Grandpa Walker? Why did she... This is... Ah! Nala gets mad. She threatens to chuck the urn, then thinks a little better of it. But only a little. She hands it off to Tara before the next wave arrives. She heads for the concrete box up the hill. Tara follows, much more slowly, behind. Inside this box is... Nothing. Aside from concrete, one longer block right in the center overlooking the open doorway. Nala sits. Tara sits. The urn sits between them. I shouldn't have left. I didn't want to. Well, I did. I'm glad I did. I don't want her to go, of course, You've but... been grieving a long time, huh? Well... Yeah! I'm so tired of this! She's been sick for years now, and it's, like, taking forever, and we haven't slept in a week, and this is the first day Mom went to work, and now Grandma's worse, and I'm just... You can say fuck. Fucking tired! Does that make me bad? No. But great they wouldn't approve. Mom always says you're supposed to feel at peace. Grandma sure looks like it. Grandma sure looks like she feels it. She really puts all of her energy towards loving us, and I don't know if I have enough to give back. Hmm. Work from a paradigm of abundance, not scarcity. Uh, what? Peregrine? Those are just fancy words that my friend Mallory always said. It's a set of rules one sets for oneself. All it basically means is do everything with a lot of love in your heart, because it's not going to run out. Wow. Mallory sounds smart. 
She passed yesterday. Really? Yeah. Uh, I found out this morning. Tara takes out her phone and plays the full message. Hey, Tara Vaughn! I know your technology's all wonky there with the solar panels and such, but I just wanted to remind you that we're not going anywhere. We love you and want to hear how it's going. I thank great they every time I think of you. I know you are serving them well. How's Vallis? Is the red grass all itchy like Mallory said, or is it soft? Oh, and kind of sad news. Mallory is no longer with us. Hun, she died. It was a whole lot of health things that we're all familiar with just all at once. Did you ever get to meet up with them? Ah, well, call me when you get this. I know it's a lot. I love you. She wasn't afraid of forever either, you know? I wonder if that's something that comes to you when you get close to it. That final something. It was really hard supporting her and leaving her behind. And I've been trying really hard to find ways to blame myself for it. That if I were around more or more emotionally available or whatever... I'm sad that I can't be there for my mom and Mallory's family, and it all kind of makes me miss home. And it makes me feel like I can't be a helpful prophetess right now. Why don't they fix it? Why don't they stop it from happening? Stop death? What might that look like? Well, they could... They should. If it helps, I don't have an answer either. I just don't get why they let us be so sad. Well, I think they're pretty sad right now, too. Really? Yeah. I think we get sad about big things for a reason. Watching the world turn with us two, plus however many folks are here and were here or are still here, just in different forms. They must be so sad all the time. Yet we won't be. Will we? And why is that? Because love doesn't run out. And like, of course, being sad is okay, too. With Mallory... I think a part of me will always be with her in that unknown. But the rest of me gets to move along like Queenie did with your grandpa? Walker. Grandpa Walker. And like, I'll do too. Right? Right. Tara points to the urn nestled between them, then looks at the picture in her lap. Then Tara looks at the urn, then the picture of the man burying something. Yeah, this can't be it. What do you mean? Oh! He can't have buried himself! Take him back! Take him back! 
and so they do. They find the spot now, still uncovered, and setting Grandpa Walker aside, they dig just a little more, and what do you know? They find another thing below it. This one is a box, more ornate and golden in color, less earnish. Nala takes it from Tara and cracks open the lid. Cool. Inside, it's stacked with things. Trinkets, little doodads, and small finds, and pictures from the ocean side. Stuff we liked when we were young. <laughs> they must have really been planning ahead. This will be so fun to go through with Mom and Naya and... I should go home. I want to. I want to be there for her. I'll walk you. They rebury Grandpa Walker first. Nala holds her grandmother's mementos as they walk. It's a long walk from the gravesite. They pass the red grass lawns and redwood trees of Vallis's Lowtown. They pass the houses of strangers, then acquaintances, then near neighbors, then they come to Nala's. A circular one story, blue paint peeling. All right. You know how to find me if you ever need to talk, Nala. Yeah. Thanks, Tara. I I think you're a great prophetess. Nala suddenly pauses before the door and runs down the steps back to Tara. Oh, uh, I found this back at the reservoir and just thought it looked really cool. I want you to have it. Nala gives Tara a rock. It's dark gray with a clean hole through its upper middle it's inlay with a spidery web of quartz. It's a cool rock. And Tara is unable to muster that verbal thank you. Instead, she looks at Nala long and lovingly and carefully places the stone in the pocket of her bag. Nala smiles, breathes, and goes home. Grandma? Did you... Oh. Nala, you found it. Yeah. What are all of these? Tara walks home, alone. Luciana, Dune, Ellie, and Mikhail sit in the common room on the second floor of Lyoth Hall. Luciana grades upper-class territorial theology papers, whilst Mikhail grades a four-year-old's art journal. Dune embroiders a funny quote he heard the other day for Dylan, and Ellie works on homework. Dune averts his attention to the stuffy in Ellie's lap. Who is this? <laughs> Mr. Fergal McFerguson. Agnes and I got them today. Dune pokes Mr. Fergal McFerguson's belly, entranced. Fuck, that's nice. I know. <laughs> Why Mr. Fergal McFerguson? Ferguson. It was the vibe. Vibes. <laughs> oh, uh, getting a parent call. Mm. <clears throat> Hello, Mrs. McElbury. Mikhail excuses himself from the room as Tara comes back in through the back door of Lyoth Hall. And she hears these soft voices passing by. She makes the choice to join them and pops her head into the common room. Hey, Tara. How was your day? It was fine. 
Luciana's concerned gaze lingers. Actually, uh... Tara has their attention. The Lyaths watch her, intently, then uncomfortably, then compassionately. Thirty seconds have gone by with Tara at the stern without touching the wheel, and she is... Great day. She's being perceived, isn't she? <laughs> Fuck. Tara attempts to nod as a shark attempts to keep swimming, to survive without falling. But with these nods comes the loosening of tears. Tears that, when she finally stops, are allowed to rain. Oh, Tara. Come here. Luciana offers her open arms to Tara. She nestles into them and cries. She cries because her childhood is gone. She cries because her friend is gone. She cries because her staff and her home as she knew it and her perceptions of what she thought life was going to be. She cries because she's tired and because she was still able to do her job well today in spite of it all. And she cries because she feels just a little bit loved. Mm. Mm, honey. It's okay. Come here. Okay. Naya's completely excused for as long as you need. That's fine, Mrs. McElbury. Take care. Queenie? Yeah. Ooh, wait. Long day. Who's Queenie? Naya's grandma. Aww. It is so weird. Her sister freaks me out, too. Dude. Yeah. I really like that about her. I hope the family's okay. They'll be good. They've got Nala. Can I have my notebook back, Mike? Oh, yes. Yeah. Not right now, just like, yeah. whenever. Elsewhere, Agnes comes to her apparent apartment to find Rourke has returned from work. Still in his work where he smiles the moment the door handle jiggles and maintains this joy through Agnes's entrance. How'd shopping go? Rourke, I couldn't. I can't. I don't want a couch. At all. Ever. And that's okay! That's totally okay. Yeah? We don't need a couch. We have dining room chairs that work just fine. If anything, it's economical and groovy. <laughs> Agnes sits the way a balloon deflates. Rourke sits normally, and together they sit and eat dinner. It's a fine dinner. Tara now sits in her room on her bed, cross-legged. She picks up her phone. Hey there! Hey! What are you doing? Going for a coastal walk. Just thinking. You. I'm just sitting. I had a long day. A kid gave me a rock today, so now I have two. Uh, yeah. It's okay that this hurts. Yeah. But I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Mom. I love you. And I love you. Is there anything I can do from this far away? Can you put me on speaker?
Hello, unfired clay jars. I am Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Introducing Rachel Routh as Queenie, Araya Glancy as Nala, Nicola Peeper as Naya, Hope Bellinger as Tara's mom and the Sprock, Emma Johnson as Gwenda, Sound design and mixing by Luke DeLorenzo. Original music composed by Liam Greenlee. We're going to list some VIFs, very important folks, that have made this adventure possible. Cameron Kisling, Day Thomas, Kayla Nickerson, Corey Patton, Sarah Fulton, Ali Schluchter, David Shelby, Lizard Sherbert, Dave and Ray, Austin R. Norton, Madeline McGowan, Kristen Simi. A big thank you to Rogue Media Network for all of their support. For updates and overall great vibes, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Average Folks Official. For further exploration, artwork, and merch, check out our website, average-folks.com. To contact us, email us at averagefolksofficial at gmail.com. Catch you next week, folks. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.